from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. All right. Welcome to the Badass Counseling Show. Yet another fantastic episode. It's great to have you here. Uh, and we are doing things a bit differently today on this episode of the Badass Counseling Show. I am taking a live feed of questions from viewers, from listeners, checking in from all around the world. And uh, we're just going fucking full on lightning round. I'm taking your questions. You got me here. Let's do some badass counseling. What's on your mind? What's what are you wrestling with in your life? Let's go. Um, how do I deal with a best friend who I'm in love with but doesn't feel the same about me? And this is coming in from can't tell what your name or logo is there, but how do I deal with a best friend who I'm in love with but doesn't feel the same? Well, the question becomes, what do you want to deal with? I mean, if they don't feel the same, you have those feelings. And ultimately, you're having feelings that aren't going to be reciprocated. So in a way, you're killing yourself. What you have to do is you have to get those feelings out, journaling, counseling, that sort of thing. Uh, because in a way, a situation like that tilts towards the least common denominator. And the least common denominator in this case is friendship. That this person wants a friendship with you, but you want more than that. It's never going to be more than the friendship. So your feelings of love, you got to journal them out, get them out of your system, um, and then either accept a friendship or you're going to have to walk away. But if you're forever pining for that person, you're just torturing yourself because it's not going to go anywhere. They've already made that clear for you. Next question. How do I deal with feeling like I lost a really good partner in a breakup? Oh, that's a tough one, man. Especially when you're like, fuck, how am I ever going to meet someone as great as this? What do you do when you feel like you've lost a really great person in a breakup? In a way, it's just like all the other stuff. You got to let those feelings out and you got to mourn the loss. I mean, that's grieving. That's like a death, man. A death of the relationship you thought you were going to have, a death of the dream for that relationship. And you have to grieve it. You got to let the tears come out. But inside of it also, you got to believe that life is leading you to higher ground. And for whatever reason, that one wasn't meant to work. But there's going to be one even better or just as good and then even better. But you got to get the pain out. Otherwise, because if you don't get the pain out over the loss of that one, you're going to be carrying that into your next fucking relationship. So you're going to have one foot out and one foot in your new relationship. You got to get that fucking pain out um, if you're grieving the loss of someone you thought was pretty good. And, the, and here's the real kicker, you guys, is that if you're forever growing and if you're forever challenging yourself and going deep in yourself and getting out all your crud, your next relationships are going to be better because you've gotten rid of the shit inside of you that's holding you back. And so, yeah, man, if you're getting over someone who is a great person and we've all fucking been there, we've all been in fucking relationships where it's just like, God, I love that person so much. I mean, I feel like it's fucking every woman I dated. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, man, I lost the great one. And all you can do is grieve. You got to let those tears out. You got to let that fucking pain out. And sometimes it takes time. And you may even get people saying to you, oh, you got to fucking move on. Bullshit. You don't got to do anything. What you got to do is you got to stay in it and let it all out and keep letting it all out till it's done. Till you wake up one day and it's like, oh shit, the sun is shining again. Till you're going about your day one day and you find yourself laughing again. But losing someone that was great Losing a great relationship, it's tough. And all you can do is grieve it out, journal it out, counseling it out, and just let it all out and trust that life is leading you to higher ground. Next question. Can a marriage survive if you both want to work on it, but you're in a difficult season? 
Well, and this is Kel writing in. Great question, Kel. Can a marriage survive if you both want to work on it, but you're in a difficult season? Well, sure it can. And you just stated the, the operative necessity, and that is both want to work on it. So, I mean, as long as there's a commitment from two fucking people, you can work on anything. Uh, we recorded a podcast earlier today, uh, and uh, one of the people in there was saying, you know, I want to work on something, or I, I'm, I'm open to dealing with someone if they want to work on it, but if they're not going to own their fucking shit, fuck that. Fuck you. You know, and so if you have two people that work on it, there's no reason you can't fix. Sure, a difficult season. Name a marriage that doesn't go through a difficult season. Name a marriage that doesn't go through five difficult seasons in the first five, 10, 20 years. That's just the nature of any relationship. There is no pain-free relationship. That's a myth. It doesn't exist. But the willingness to work on it, the willingness to not just talk out our shit, but have the courage to reveal what I'm really feeling because it's so fucking easy to sit back and say, well, this is what's wrong with you and you need to fix and you're the problem. Fuck you. We're both the problem. As I talk about my book, there's a hole in my love cup. Unhealthy people come in twos. So you can sit back all pompous and shit and say, oh, that person's a problem. That person's a problem. No, fuck. By definition, a healthy person doesn't get into a relationship with an unhealthy person. And a healthy person does not stay in a relationship with an unhealthy person. So if you're going around saying, oh, he's unhealthy. Oh, she's got this. This is what's wrong with him. That, that's what's wrong with her. It's bullshit. If you're in a relationship with that fucking person, you're just as fucked up as they are, just in different fucking ways. But if you have two people, Kel, if you have two people willing to work on a relationship fuck yeah you can go through anything it's just that willingness and it's the patience and it's doing the dirty hard work all right next question you guys this is from uh, mother ingram i'm in therapy and learning to heal how do i get my negative husband to want to get help too listen to the language in that one and i'm not dogging you for that all right what i'm saying is the idea of how do i make someone else want something that i want i was in counseling uh this week with a particular client and uh, from far away, and this particular client was saying, you know, my spouse, I want my spouse to be doing X, Y, and Z. I want my spouse to change my spouse's wants. And I had to say to my client, your spouse wants what your spouse wants. You trying to change them is you trying to control them. You trying to manipulate them. You trying to make this relationship work for you on your terms versus this is who this person is. And your spouse has made it abundantly clear what your spouse wants. So you, you know, as you talk here, um, uh, Mother Ingram, I, I, you're learning how to heal. And that is fan-fucking-tastic, Mother Ingram. And I fucking applaud you for that. And so many people don't want to learn how to heal. So many people don't want to go into their shit. So the fact that you're doing it is fucking huge. But how do you get your negative husband to want to get help too? You can't. All you can do is make your needs clear. All you can do is lay in front of your partner your truth and what you want. And then you just sit back and watch how they respond. And if they say, fuck you, I don't want to fucking do it. Fuck you. Nope, not interested. And therapy's stupid. And people who do counseling are idiots. And But just because I'm an idiot doesn't mean the rest of the therapists are. But the point is, no, seriously, you can't make your husband want to do therapy. If he doesn't want to, in a way, tragically, sadly, he's giving you his answer. He doesn't want to change. And I think you wouldn't even be asking that question unless there were fear inside of you, Mother Ingram, who asked this question, you know, what do you do? How do I get my negative husband to want to get help too? I'm getting help. How do I make him get it? You wouldn't be asking this question unless there was a measure of fear inside of you that you may be growing and may in fact outgrow your husband. 
that your discontent with his negativity and unwillingness to get help is growing and perhaps would grow so great that you might have to leave and walk on. And that is one of the tragedies of relationships is when one person grows and the other person doesn't want to grow. When one person is staying stuck, your husband is staying stuck and saying, fuck you, you're changing the fucking social contract that we had. We were going to be like this way, that we're going to stay this way. And now you're changing and you're growing. Fuck you. I want us to stay this way. And you're saying, no, let's grow together. And he's like, well, fuck you. Why would I want to grow? You, this is who we decided to be. And so you guys are going to be, if you're not at an impasse already, which it kind of sounds like you are, that impasse is only going to grow more likely than not. If he is reluctant, recalcitrant, hesitant to change, and if you keep growing in your therapy, the relationship probably won't last long. And that's sad when someone else doesn't want to change, but you can't make him want to change. The only thing that changes people into wanting to get therapy and look at their shit is pain. Pain. Change will not occur until the pain gets bad enough. And very, it's very possible that he won't actually start therapy if he starts at all until you leave him. Hate to say. If that is painful for him or until one of his kids doesn't want to be with him or until his next wife breaks up with him or whatever it is. But it's pain that causes people to change their wants and change what they've been stuck in. Hope that helps, Mother Ingram. Thanks for the great question. I appreciate that. All right, next question, you guys. What do you got? What are the some of the early signs of an ideal partner? Danny. Danny, the man, coming through with a great question. What are some of the early signs of an ideal partner? Okay, I'm going to answer this one, but it's a little tricky because they're going to people be people who say, oh, love bombing, love bombing. They're love bombing. They're just pretending that they give a shit. They're just pretending they're an ideal partner. And I'm not saying love bombing isn't a problem, but I'm saying I'm going to nip that little fucker in the bud because somebody's going to say love bombing, love bombing, love bombing. And what I'm saying is if you are truly in tune yourself, if you've gotten your own pain, your own crud, your own fears, the bullshit beliefs you were taught about yourself way back there in the fucking past, the more you've gotten your, that out of yourself, the more you will be in tune to when things turn, if they turn. In other words, if there, if somebody's, so I'm, I'm getting your question, Danny, I really am. Um, but if somebody is loving and so on and so forth in the beginning and things turn a little bit or things shift or you get that ping on your sonar where you kind of go, uh, something's off, you're going to get those pings. And the more you get your own crud out of there, the more your own soul can sense those pings, the more your own intuition can feel those pings and you'll listen to those pings. That's your intuition talking. All right, Danny, your question was basically what are the signs I look for in an ideal partner? Honestly, the place you start, Danny, is just make a fucking list of the things that make you happy in a relationship, the things that make you feel good. I mean, literally put fucking pen to paper and write down what are the things that make me feel good, where I feel loved from a partner when I'm in a relationship. So you literally have it in front of you, a physical fucking copy. And then you know when you're, and I, I know that sounds dopey, but I believe in writing shit out so that I actually know what my wants and expectations are. And then you just watch for that as you're on the first date or as you're on the third date or when you go to the movie or when you go for the walk. And it's, it's like, well, are they hitting the mark, so to speak? What it's ultimately answering is the question, does this person feel good? And in, in those times when this person doesn't feel good, is there reparation? Is there atonement? Is there talking out the ship? Because the truth is, and I even an ideal partner, especially an ideal partner, isn't going to feel warm and fuzzy all the time. There are going to be arguments. My girlfriend and I, we had a blowout fucking argument. We were on opposite sides of the country on the phone in like our first fucking week or two of, of dating. Big fucking issue. And she hangs up on me and fuck you, fuck you. You know, the usual shit, right? 
Half hour, hour later, she calls me back and she says, we're going to talk this fucker out. We're talking this out. And I'm like, oh, I like this girl. I like this one. Why? Because so many people don't want to talk out the shit. So many people just want to, oh, let's just have sex and forget about it. Or just pretend it didn't happen. Or I'm going to stay huffy and puffy for the fucking week because fuck you. No, man. For me personally, I wanted someone who could talk the shit out. That's important to me. So Danny, who asked the question, how do you know what are the signs of an ideal partner? What are your signs that you want in an ideal partner? Because I guarantee, Danny, you and I want two different things, perhaps multiple different things in an ideal partner. So you got to know what the fuck your ideal things are. And then when things go awry, you got to watch how the other person responds. But ultimately, Danny, what it really boils down to, this is the hard part. It's what I call radical honesty. And you guys have heard me talk about this before. Brutal honesty I'm not a big believer in. I'm not a big believer in brutal anything. There are times and places in life, but generally, brutal honesty is just the cocksucker who's going through life saying, this is what's wrong with you, this is what's wrong with you, fuck you, this is what's wrong with you, that's what's wrong with you. It's a, the dickhead who's just pointing out what's wrong with, any, with everyone else. What's so hard about that? Really? That's just someone being a fucking asshole. Radical honesty is where I'm in conversation with you. I'm in relationship, friendship, lover relationship with you, and I'm revealing what's wrong with me. I'm revealing my pain. I'm revealing my aspirations. I'm revealing my dreams. I'm revealing myself. Now that's fucking hard because we're terrified to put the shit out there because I'm convinced, you know, we're all convinced to some greater or less degree. If I show you who I really am, you won't like me. Radical honesty. Danny, you want to know the secret to an ideal, finding the ideal partner, having the ideal relationship? Danny, the answer is have the balls to put your real self out there, not just in the big stuff. It's almost easy in the big stuff and the medium stuff. It's in the small stuff. Ah, uh, it doesn't matter. Ah, uh, it's not that big deal. Ah, uh, she hurt my feelings. Ah, uh, it doesn't matter. And you stuff your fucking feelings down. Ah, uh, it does. We can go to a movie or go to a jazz club. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Rather than putting yourself out there and saying what you want and finding resolution. The trick to finding the ideal partner is you having the courage to be the ideal partner. And I don't mean that you're selling yourself and being what they want. It means you're being yourself as authentic as possible. And the way you be authentic is getting all the crud out of you, the pain and the fears and the bullshit from your past that keeps you from being authentic, that keeps you living in a state of fear. And the more you're authentic, the more you will naturally attract people who have the courage to be authentic. And you'll see who they are right away. And it's there's a beautiful thing when two people are fucking being authentic. Does that make any sense? hope so all right next question what do you guys got for me cam bennington headed the buds any advice you fucking killer cam mad respect brother heading to buds and for those of you that don't know this badass is going to defend my motherfucking country as one of the most lethal killers on god's green earth and uh any advice that's a level of killer badass that man yeah advice dig deep brother dig deep dig deep. You have to believe that this is your fucking calling. You have to go in there and nothing can sway you and that you are there for the person next to you as much as you are there for you. And you go in with that fucking killer mentality and you go in hard and you drive and you push and you drive and you grind that fucker out, Cam. You grind that fucker out and you are there for the guys and the, right next to you and you just fucking grind, man. Everything has been leading up to this, my man. Everything in your life has been leading up to this. And you go in tough. And you know what? If you got anything dragging you down right now, I see it. Thank you, Kim. If you got anything dragging you down, anything like girl problems, you flush that shit out now before you go to Bud's. 
If you got fucking parent problems, you flush that shit out now. You get fucking pen and paper, you flush, you flush, you flush, because you don't need that shit dragging you down when you got to have focus. Success is determined by focus almost more than anything else. And if you got shit dragging on your focus now before you go in, there's possibility that shit's going to drag on your focus later. You got to get all that shit out of you now, brother. And that's any one of us. If you got a fucking dream, you're not going to be able to pursue your dreams or maintain the motivation. Have you ever had that happen where you have a vision, you have a dream, you got something, you start going after it, and in a week, a month, a year, you run out of motivation. It's like these stops and starts in your life. If you can't sustain the motivation in life, it's because you got shit dragging you down from your fucking past, shit inside of you. So you got to get that out. I had a client just this last week, Sven, I spend most of my time on the couch just smoking weed and watching TV. What's my problem? I have big dreams. I know I have a beast inside of me I want to unleash. I said, it's that shit inside you that's dragging you the fuck down. All right, Cam, I hope that helped you out, brother. I believe in you so fucking much. And dude, I'm so fucking grateful for you, my brother. Mad, 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 mad respect. All right. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Are you finally ready to turn your life around? Finally get the clarity, happiness, and sense of purpose you've been waiting for your whole life? Then go to badasscounseling.com now and get the international best-selling book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. It changed my life. It'll change yours. Now, back to the badass. All right. Uh, lied to me about sleeping with other people while we were on break. Please help. Lied to you about... <laughs> the fact that they lied in, is implicit guilt. So she already feels bad. She knows she broke the fucking rules of their fucking relationship. Question becomes, Brandon... The mere fact that you're wanting help says that you still want her. So you're still wanting someone who you know, literally have evidence of, is deceitful. So you're walking back into a relationship with someone who's deceitful. You want my honest-to-God fucking opinion? Two things. One, either walk back into the relationship and just keep your antenna up. And if she hurts you again, then it's time to walk. The other one, what I would recommend is, and it's shitty because I know you don't want to do this, is walk now because you got somebody who's willing to lie to your fucking face. Why would you want to be in a relationship with someone who's willing to lie to your fucking face? But again, as with all things, Brandon, get that fucking pain out of you, man. Journal that shit out. Get in counseling. Talk to your fucking friends. But you have to get the pain out. Do you guys understand this? Have you ever been in a situation where someone pissed you off? I mean, really pissed you off. And you become so engorged with fucking emotion. It's like, I want to rip your fucking head off. Or I'm so pissed. Or I go slash your tires. Or I say fucking wicked ass shit to you. Where you're so, so pregnant, so swollen with anger that you do things that maybe later you fucking forget. Have you ever had that happen? Well, if you're a fucking human, you've probably had that happen, right? We've all had that happen. Where we get so engorged with some emotion that we act out of the emotion. Where the emotion takes over. We almost lose ourselves. We become a different person, whatever. When I'm talking to you guys about getting out all the pain, fears, and bullshit beliefs you've been taught about yourself, what I'm fundamentally saying is that your love cup, and we're all going through life with a love cup, your love cup is so full of crud, so full of shit, so full of pain from your fucking past. It's so full of crap, manure, rocks, that any and every single one of those memories has an emotional charge attached to it. Zzz, zzz an emotional charge. So you got all this crap in here weighing you down, but everything, one of these things is charged. So you put in one more fucking experience that has an emotional charge, like somebody pissing you off. And all of a sudden, all of these other things in here are electrified and you're just, you're going crazy. You can't control yourself. Your emotions take over and bad judgment, 
The mother of bad judgment, the parent that births bad judgment is pain. It's fear. Fear is a whopper. And bullshit beliefs you're taught about yourself. Once those get triggered, all of a sudden you're going to start making the worst fucking decisions. What to do with your career nor not do because you're sad or you can't sustain or all these different fucking things. So when I'm saying you got to deal with the pain and get out all the pain and get out all the crud from your past, that's what I'm saying. So that you don't have shit in there that's being electrified. So that if some new negative experience drops in, it's like, oh, okay, I can deal with that. And you're filling it up with love rather than all this shit because you got the shit out and no longer is that stuff being so fucking emotionally charged and setting you the fuck off. How do you get the fucking pain out? Honestly, pen and paper. That's one simplest way. My mom started me journaling when I was 13 fucking years old. Best thing she ever fucking did or one of the best things she ever did um, other than the daily hug and I love you, Sven. And you're the most wonderful boy in the whole world and packing me a little sack lunch. Maybe not the most wonderful boy. She had five other uh, kids to uh, tell such foolishness to. Anyway, uh, point is, how do you get out? I believe in journaling. I believe in, there's a book that I talk about in my book. There's a whole my love cup. The book inside of that or that I talk about that I didn't write, it's called the Sedona Method, which is an accelerated form of journaling that doesn't require pen and paper. I believe in writing letters that you don't send. I believe in counseling. I believe in having a great friend, whoever that might be, who's willing to listen to your pain and talking it out. But you have to give it words, people. You can't just exercise it out. You may feel good at the end of the exercise, but you haven't gotten the actual thing out because you gotta give it words. Code, we never know what we truly think. It's one of my favorite quotes. We never will know what we truly think until we're forced to codify our thinking. Codify, put into words. You're thinking, poetry is great. Some people write poetry. I've had some clients, some young clients who write poetry and all their pain and shit. And it's like, fuck me. That is brilliant, amazing ass shit. But like I said, if you want just a basic starter to walk you through it and take you deep, um, I'm, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Get my book. There's a hole in my love cup. It'll fucking kick your ass. It will. And it'll help you start getting, not just start, it'll help you flush out so much of that stuff and identify what those core beliefs are that you were taught about yourself. But you have to get that shit out. You guys, you have to understand that's what's corrupting your life. It's the shit from the past. You've heard me say it a thousand times, but it's just fucking fact. All right. Um, how do you know when you need to stop trying in a relationship? I love that fucking question. Marissa Marone, great fucking question. How do you know when you need to stop trying in a relationship when it doesn't feel good? And not just it doesn't feel good today, all right? Um, it's like, have you ever bought a stock or you're familiar with stocks? Um, so if you're looking at a stock and let's say it's trending up, oh, this stock is making money. Let's say it's Apple or whatever, Microsoft. And it's making money and it's trending up. Now, even when it's trending up, there are dips. There are shitty days. There are shitty weeks, maybe even multiple weeks. But the overall trajectory, despite a few dips, the overall trajectory of that stock is it's trending up. It's making money, Okay. Well, or with some stocks, the overall trajectory is it's trending down. It may have some spikes where it goes up, but the overall trajectory is it's trending down. So the question is, how do you know when you need to stop trying in a relationship? Marissa asked that question. When the trajectory, the overall trajectory over enough time is that it's trending down. Where the pain, the frustration, the embarrassment, the discontent, the disappointment, the betrayal, the yucky, that it just feels yucky over time. The truth is every relationship is going to feel yucky on, you know, on any given Wednesday or it's going to feel yucky, have a bad week. We've all been in relationships. You have a bad week, you have a bad month, maybe even have a bad year. But you remember that old saying from the old days, it goes, a bad day of fishing is still better than a good day at work. <laughs> okay. That even there's some relationships that you're in that even if you're going through a bad couple of months or a bad year, 
it's still, there's no other relationship I'd rather be in. I've been in this relationship for eight years or 18 years. And yeah, we're going through a hard time, but the other person has made so many deposits into our emotional bank account, into our relationship account. And I've made so many deposits that a year worth of withdrawals, this is still where I want to be. So how do you know when you need to stop trying in a relationship? When you feel like the other person isn't trying anymore? When the stock, you know, is just trending down, trending down, when the emotional bank account, so to speak, of the relationship has gone dry, or ultimately when it doesn't feel good anymore. Because the truth is we get out of relationships for the same reason we get into relationships. You don't get into a relationship because, gee, she's got a nice ass and, uh, oh, he's really smart or whatever. Yes, those matter. But in the end, whatever the qualities are about the person, it's because those qualities make you feel something. It's the feel that causes us to step in. It's that sense of I'm intrigued or it's that sense of wow. And so we step in because of how this relationship, how this person makes me feel regardless of what the qualities are. So it's the same thing that ends a relationship. It doesn't matter, oh, this person, you know, hurt my feelings or this person doesn't work hard enough or this person smokes too much weed or whatever. It's that in the end, whatever those things are, it makes me feel disconnected. It makes me feel like I don't love it. In other words, I lost the feel. So it's reading your own feel and trusting your own feel. All right, how do I get my spouse to stay on a topic with a disagreement and not go off to some other topic? There's some. There's a trick I tell people. Uh, I work with a lot of like CEOs, presidents of companies, and shit like that. And I also deal with people who are in relationships where they feel like their spouse can out argue them, or my spouse is smarter than them, or they they go off topic. Okay. And the little trick I tell them is, what is your one? Ask yourself the question: What is your one takeaway? So if you're going into this presentation or if you're going into this argument with your spouse, whatever, what's your one main point in one sentence or less? What is your one main point that you're trying to convey? If I, if they forget everything else, if I, if I get totally lost, if I'm in the weeds, you know, on this presentation I'm doing, or if the boss is peppering me with questions, if I get lost, what's my one main point that I want to come back to? What is your one main point? And just keep coming back to that. Keep coming back to that. Keep coming back to that. And if they keep running, keep running, keep running. Do you want to know what's going to happen? Something that you don't like. And that is you're going to get frustrated with this relationship. And the truth is you can get counseling. You can get professional help to help this person stay on topic. But either they want to learn how to stay on topic or they don't. And if you got someone who doesn't want to do the work of staying on topic and really discussing the shit, then you've got someone who's basically saying, fuck you to your needs. Fuck you. I don't care. Yep. Okay. Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, stay on topic. Fuck you. I don't want to do that. And then you realize they don't care about me. Because if I'm putting an effort towards their shit, but they're not putting an effort towards my shit, why the fuck would I stay in a relationship with that? Who the fuck wants that? Uh, we're going to hit some more questions right after this. It took me to the place that scared me the most, the crap I've been running from my whole life, the stuff that's been dragging me down. And it literally began the healing. I feel lighter, clearer, and just happier. Finally, some freaking peace. You got to get this book. There's a hole in my love cup or the do it yourself video courses all at badasscounseling.com. It's totally killer stuff. Now back to more badass counseling with Sven. Uh, you're on chapter 11 of the book and it's so helpful. Thank you, Ivan's Mommy 77. 77 is one of my favorite numbers, by the way. Uh, after 88 and 42. Anyway, um, yeah, on chapter 11. And it's so helpful. I'm glad. I hope it's kicking your ass, challenging you. And I hope that you're doing the exercises. That's really where the fucking gold is. Um how do I love my husband if my kids don't love their dad, my husband? 
Kelly Kinney, Oof, that's a tough one. I, there's so many questions I would wanna ask surrounding that before I could really answer it. Um, you can't make your kids love anyone. My question would wanna be, would be what makes you think that your kids don't love your husband? What has he done? Forgive me, and I'm not trying to blame the fucking victim here, but for what possible reason do your own kids not love their own father? I'm of the belief, and this is a controversial idea, but I'm of the belief that children love parents more than parents love children. And so for a child not to love their parent, um, I'm wondering what the hell happened that caused that. And so, but what I'm hearing you saying, Kelly, is that you feel caught in the middle between your kids and between your husband. That, I, I wish I could answer that, but there's just so many questions around that, Kelly, that I would need more information on before I could give it an adequate answer. Um, next question. Forgive a Cam, uh, you said, Cam Poolman, forgive others, not for them, but for yourself. It's funny, we just finished taping a show on forgiveness. And I'm going to challenge that one because I believe that the goal of life isn't to forgive. The goal of life, forgiving is optional. The goal of life is to get out all the feelings that I feel towards the person that hurt me. I can't forgive them, truly forgive them. I can say, oh, I'm forgiving them and gee, I feel better. All your real, but what if you still have anger inside you towards them? What if you still have extreme hurt? that you feel inside towards them and you're saying, well, I forgive you, I forgive you, let's move on. All you're doing with your real feelings is you're stuffing them down even deeper. The, the forgiveness can wait. And I'm not saying you should or shouldn't forgive. That's not really the issue. What you have to do is get out all the pain, all the hurt, all the anger, all the rage that you feel towards that person. Otherwise, you're just stuffing that shit down and that's gonna bite you in the fucking ass later. All right, next question. You're listening to my book on Audible. Is there somewhere I can get the exercises in print? Yeah, the book uh, on badasscounseling.com. Uh, Zach, on the book page, all all the versions there, um, ebook and paperback and so forth. Do I is there anywhere where you can get just the exercises in print? No, but I can have my assistant starting on that project. I'll put it on my assistant's list if I can find the bottom of my assistant's list. Um, but no, they're all in print uh, in the print version of the book. Um, is it possible to change your own love language? This is from Spartan, Maine. Is it possible to change your own love language? Yeah, um, but do you want to change? It has to come from a place of desiring to change. And why would a person desire to change their own love language? Um, we can, I always break that question out into two things. First of all, I believe there are more than five love languages. I'm a big fan of the notion of listening as a love language. I think it's more powerful than about anything for me. Uh, but the issue is, one, the love language, what is your default way you show love? What is your show love love language? And then there's the how do I receive love love language? So me personally, um, I receive love in the form of uh, acts of service. That means a lot to me. Kind words means a lot to me. Um, but uh, my default way for showing love is uh, acts of service, but it's also... Um, affection, playfulness, and so forth. So how we show love and how we receive love are often different. Can you change it? Sure, of course you can. Just depending if you desire to. But you have to understand, it's like most things in life, it boils down to desire. So I'm guessing you're wondering, can I get my partner to change their love language into what I want it to be or what would make me feel more loved? Yeah, they certainly can. But the question is, do they want to? If someone's motivated, they can change pretty much anything about themselves. All right, next question. Why do I always re revert to cruelty, Blaze Box? Fuck me, man. Wow. Um, why do I always revert to cruelty? Because you have a lot of pain inside. 
because you have a lot of pain inside. You revert to cruelty, we revert to malice, we revert to wrath because I have so much hurt inside of me and that, man, it's like this. Imagine that if this was just full of rocks and manure, all right? Um, or actually, let's no, let's, let's change that. Assume that this is full to the brim. The meniscus is right at the top of the hottest motherfucking coffee you've ever fucking had in your entire life. Like double the strength of Starbucks, double the temperature of Starbucks, all right? And or McDonald's, what they used to have before the big lawsuit, right? And then you put that fucker on a table, right? And let's imagine that cup is you, and now it's full of piping hot coffee. If you agitate that table just a little bit, shake it just a little bit, what's going to happen? It's going to spill out, isn't it? Right? Piping hot coffee is going to spill out. But what's interesting is it's not going to spill out on Tom, who's standing on the other side of the room. No, it's going to spill out on whatever is closest to that fucking cup. When we're agitated, when we're full of pain, it spills out. Or if we get just one more drop of pain dropped in, or somebody pours in a whole lot more pain, it spills out on everyone around us. It doesn't spill out on the people way over there. It spills out on the people around us. If you're resorting to cruelty, it's because you've got so much fucking pain inside, my friend. And you have to get that fucking pain out, Blaze Box. I mean it, man. That shit will eat you up inside. It will destroy your happiness, your sense of peace, your sense of love in the world. And I know you want all those because that's the human thing to fucking want. Get that fucking pain out, dude. All right, Blaze? All right, another question. Come on. Um, partner broke my trust trying to work through it. How long do I wait to see if there's actual change? Oh, Sam Ollie Chucky Luna. That's a fucking great name. Sam Ollie Chucky Luna, how long do you wait to see if there's actual change? You wait as long as you need to wait to feel like there's actual change. See, here's the thing. Somebody breaks a trust. Let's just say cheating. <laughs> and don't even ask me how many fucking clients I have right now or in any given year who are dealing with cheating. Either they cheated or someone cheated on it. It's like one of the most common things I see in my counseling practice. And you want to know how the person acts when they've cheated and they've gotten caught? Oh, I love you so much. It's great. Oh, I hated it. I, I hated it. I didn't enjoy it. I felt so dirty. And I love you so much. I've changed. I've changed. And they're like telling you that like four days after it happened. <laughs> they changed in four days. <laughs> I don't even change my underwear every four days. That's fucking bullshit they changed. Or four weeks later, oh, I fucking changed. You didn't fucking change. See, here's what it is, you guys. And you've heard me say it before, but it's just like behaviors are up here. And you've heard me say before, and I talk about in my book, um, trying to change behaviors long-term never changes behaviors. That if you're trying to change your behaviors, it never changes the behaviors long-term. Why? Because you have to change the core beliefs down here. If the behaviors are up here, you have to change the core beliefs deep inside you that are driving the behaviors. If you don't change those core beliefs, then any changes in behaviors are going to revert back. And so that this is why people, and we've all done it, I've done it, I've done it, we go back into a relationship that we shit and we think the person has changed or we think now it's better and we go back in because we want it to work and we go back in and we discover, maybe it's a day, a week, a month, six months, we discover the person hasn't changed. They didn't change the core beliefs. And so then we go out. And I've known people who've gone back in and then back out 15 times. Right? Sometimes we have to go back in that many times before we realize there is no change and they're never going to fucking change. So how do you know um, when, uh, you know, when they've changed? How do you know when it's safe to go back in? When you feel it and when you feel it over time. But while there's, and if they're not working to actively change themselves, they're just talking, they're just selling. 
And I see this so much when somebody has hurt somebody in a relationship, friendship, love relationship, they're just selling. Their mouth is going and you're listening to their mouth. And you get distracted. This is what salespeople, some salespeople will do. They'll just talk and talk and talk. They're distracting you from what's going on inside of your own gut because your own gut, your own intuition is talking. And if they can talk enough and get you focused on their mouth and get your focus off your own gut, your own intuition, your own fear, that I don't trust this person anymore. And it may not be a permanent state of not trusting him, but I'm just not trusting him right now. That if they can keep talking, they can get your folks off and they can get you back. And the goal is to tune out their voice and to tune into your own inner voice. That's where the answers are. And the only thing that's going to corrupt you the most, or the one thing that's going to corrupt you the most from hearing that inner voice is yet again, all the pain, fears, and bullshit beliefs you've been taught about yourself that are packed on top of it that are causing you to not trust and listen to your own voice. Well, I tell you what, folks, this has been very fun. I'm going to wrap it up here. I thank you all for all of your questions and all of your kind words. And uh, I, I'm really grateful. I love talking to you guys. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> it is. And I love your comments on my fucking post. I read through those. I wake up at three in the morning. You know, I get up, go to the bathroom. I come back to bed, can't fall back asleep. I pull out my fucking phone and I'm answering fucking people's comments and trying to help. And the, the feedback that I get, not just the nice ones, which is very sweet, but I love it when I see you guys taking care of each other and helping out, making comments and giving a kind word or, yeah, I went through that too, brother. Or, hey, you can do it, girlfriend. You do it. It's, it's just cool. And I I think I'm really lucky to have such cool people following and rendering comments and working on your own shit. I admire you guys so much when you're working on your own shit because that's where the fucking happiness is. I love you guys. I really do. And um, till next time, thanks so much. And to everyone tuning in through the podcast, thanks so much for tuning into the Badass Counseling Show. I'm here with Rob and Casey, and we're saying have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of the Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Have a kick-ass day.